Today is a memorial service. There may be tears. There may be wailing and beating of chests. I encourage everyone to let it out. What do we mourn? Why, we mourn but one thing. Teens. Those makers of culture, consumers of goods who no longer exist. We have tots and we have lonesome young adults, but twixt the ages of 13 and 19, not a soul lives. That's the story wrote. The story must be told. What is a teen, exactly? Well, take a baby, put it in a blender with a scoop of sass, a cup of rebellion, and two quarts of angst, and hit puree. You taste that spicy taste? That's the teen spice. The moment a tot lives past 12, we can cease this depressing yearly affair, but, well, it just won't happen. Instead of a psalm, we would do well to remember the names of teens who have left this world for the empty embrace of the story. Trixie. Sanders. The Boom Boom Twins. Arthur. Cartwright. Steph. Staff. Staples, the teen. Josh. Jess. Terrible Rick. Gloria the Thief. Baby Bronson. Huey. Gooey. Spewy. Ray the Spray Tan Teen. Taint, the Teen Taint. Pregnant Blaze. Jeff Jeff. Shit Shit. Rubbing Thomas. Slit Stench. Birthday Brandon and 32 and a half KDs. To those teens, and all the teens we have forgotten, may we go ahead and finish forgetting. If all the space in my mind I saved for teens was freed up, I'd be happy for once in my goddamn life. <laughs> he gets it. So don't you forget it. The story must be told. Hear this next story and be glad there are no teens to bring its horrors to life. The Unruly Teens Display by Churnsley. I was new to the metro area, having just arrived that afternoon. Seeking to take in the cities the locals experience it, I purchased a token for the subterranean rail system which the locals lovingly called the Rotary. As I pressed my coin into the agent's hand, he spoke under his breath so that only I could hear. Welcome home, he said. I met his gaze and the look we shared stretched between the ticks of the clock, then ended as the woman behind me shoved a coin into his slit of a fist. Perhaps I did not hear him properly, I thought to myself. Perhaps he spoke to someone else. Perhaps he mistook me for a friend. <laughs> I did not let the thought bother me. I climbed aboard a train that just arrived. What were the odds? The doors clattered shut with a chime, and with a holler of steam, the engine chugged forward by its own volition. I marveled at the tin ceiling and 
felt the smiles of the more experienced riders fall upon me. At the next train stop, all the other passengers left the train. No one complained. In fact, they did so efficiently and with purpose. I assumed this was the last stop, but as I attempted to follow, the next location was called out from the conductor's window. Why I stayed aboard the empty car was such a passing decision. I had no real destination. I suppose I thought it novel to have the whole car to myself, never asking the cause for the desertion. As the train pulled to the next stop, a stench met my nose, and the skin inside my cavities crinkled in on itself like paper in an oven. A nasal irritant was in the air, prickly and cold. This must be the industrial portion of town. It being midday, few people were at the station waiting. Most of the occupants of this mechanized capitalist borough were locked away behind conveyor belts and the thunder of gears during waking hours. All the same, when the doors opened, a lone teen boy entered my car. I was no longer private. What's more, he took a seat directly across from me despite whole lengths of benches stretching down the car outside of my direct gaze. His face glistened, but not from sweat or rain. Pus squirmed from open zit holes the size of locusts on his nose, cheeks, forehead, and neck. I imagined a spider laying eggs under his skin while he slept. I imagined morning routines, the teen squinting at his reflection in polished aluminum, pressing his thumbs together over healthy swabs of skin until the pressure burst it like a balloon, each pock a result of witless self-harm. It could not be healthy what plagued him, yet his look was so calm and forceful. I sensed him staring at me, and quite naturally, I reached across the seat for a discarded daily paper. I buried my nose within. I felt as though a local, brushing off this unsanitary encounter like a passing breeze. However, I admit I could read no word of the paper in front of me. Every thought was focused on the gross teen hidden behind the thin pulp of El Rotary Diario. He laughed and I heard his hands shuffle over the dirty fabric of his clothes. I imagined him unzipping himself, reaching to expose flesh or to reveal a weapon more metal in origin. He did worse. Shattering the quiet of the car like a boulder crashing into a placid lake of glass, an immense bodily crack echoed. It was so deafening I was certain the boy could not hear the scream which escaped my lips at its eruption. A little, ha! Ah! I let the paper fall and found the source. The teen had his knuckles held in one hand, a finger arched back against his left hand's palm, millimeter shy of breaking the digit. A knuckle cracker! Had no one taught him better? I could not hide my disgust, the emotion too strong to curb. I returned to my paper, but only for a moment. Pop! Mmph! The teen groaned. Pop, pop, crack! The teen had moved onto other fingers, popping each joint twice in either direction. Then his thumb, then the bones of his palm. A filthy habit, I declared internally. How many more did he have in him? A brief silence followed, 
a flash of respite. Crack, 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 crack. Quite irritated now, I looked over, and the boy's right shoe was off, slimy toes laced between his fingers like a lover's hand. Sensing my captured attention, the boy twisted his palm like opening a jar, and a chorus of shattered subdermal bubbles rang distinctly in my skull. I could take no more. Dear child, please stop your display, I harumphed. It's quite unruly. Though I meant wholly to return to the paper, the boy did not lose my audience. He laughed and held his jaw with both hands as though receiving it like Eucharist. I was absorbed by the sinister grin he wore, a crescent window of his many remaining teeth. He then ripped his hands to the side, and directly from where his jawbone connected to the port of the ear, a hollow bang burst out, moist as though submerged under inches of wet muck. My hands clawed instinctively at my jaw, for the volume of the sound made it feel as though it were bursting from my own body. The child again cackled through the holes in his smile and circled his right hand to the back of his neck. He rose from his seat, swaying under the jostles of the curving rotary track. How long until we reach the next station? Dear God, how long? Before I could object, the boy began cranking his head around the neck like a machinist tugging on a rusted valve. Crack! His neck moaned. Crack! Crack! Still, he pushed and thrust against the bones of his neck, popping vertebrae with the patter of a horse charging down a paved road. I was out of my seat, hands grasping in the air, though I refused to come closer. Child! Stop! Stop this! Cease your display! I tried to approach, but now he was on the move. Crack! Crack! More bones echoed, and his smile was now 90 degrees to his spine, spit dribbling out in sprays as he cranked his skull harder and harder. I reached for him, and he jumped, slamming his head against a metal pole with a baritone ring. He was unfazed! Now his head dangled off the neck, staring skyward while his chest bowed to me in obeisance, and still his muscles strained in the cracking. I tried to hold him, but he shook off my grasp, tearing his sooty shirt in my shaking hands. Please, child! No more, no more! The words were unintentional now, and I know not what I really said. There was no information to communicate. Rather, the sound was emotion itself, spewed in hot vocal sprays. Such was my fervor, my terror. Finally, I cornered the boy between two poles lining the sliding entrance door. I blocked him in with my arms, trying to hold his wrist to stop his bone-breaking. His strength was beyond me. Now his emotions had a terrifying rhythm, forearms dropping and rising like cylinders in a combustion engine, each powerfully rocketing up until the skin around the boy's neck was taut. The folds wrapped around his neck, a zit-flecked barber's pole. I pressed him, holding his wrists and letting myself fall, yet he held me up, though I a corpulent 138 pounds. The train was slowing. 
the bright lights of the depot revealed our senseless embrace for all to see. Eyes crowded the platform. Those closest gray and speckled with dirt, plaster, paint. A shift of workers awaiting a vessel home. The sudden appearance of witnesses earned a twitch from my eye. The unruly teen seized on my moment of distraction, grasped his skull firmly, and with his body jumping to aid the motion, pumped his head in one final consuming crack. At long last, the head twisted right off the spine. At that very same instant, the train then stopped and the doors clacked open. No blood spurt from his wound, but a black oil and thick, spermy pumps, viscous and shining. His body fell into me, and the head, a smiling cantaloupe, rolled out the open doors through the gap between the tired workers, some misshapen and bubbled by genetic mutations, or greasy and ill-faced, teens like the pockmarked stranger. My face burned from his ink, hot like a sewer. My chest heaved frantic, and tears pumped out of my eyes with each exhale. I knew at once how I must look, cradling the pimpled corpse as the teen's head rolled into the crowd. I didn't do it, I declared to the wearied masses. He did this himself, I swear to you, I swear. I closed my eyes, certain to feel the hands of a constable tug my shoulders off the platform and into a constable's wagon. I readied myself for blows from these hard-working neon collars, who must surely know this disgusting boy from their impoverished, culturally rich community. No blows arrived. Rather, bodies brushed past me. Voices spoke low, degrading me. Idiot, said one. Out of towner, spoke another. Finally, Everyone had pressed past me and then the headless teen, taking seats where available, avoiding the few splattered and black spinal fluid. The doors closed with a chime, and the boy's head stayed in the depot as the train rolled off, adding meters to the decapitation. I sat up and let the teen's corpse slump to a pile on the floor. No one looked. No one cared. I held myself together long enough to depart at the next depot. This time, I was the only one to exit the rotary, and I walked down hallways wide enough for 12 horses all by myself. In my distress, I was sure I would see the teen hiding here from me, reassembled with that eternal grin. Ascending the stairs, the cold night air clenched my lungs like tin-sheet lungs in a tin-sheet man. But then... I warmed. Glowing above was an orange script of exotic flame. A neon sign. I had heard of these. Pramp ponds, it read in sensuous, cursive loops. I entered the establishment. My lungs, once collapsed, swelled with the cleansing aroma of sterilizing agents. Before I could even take in the curves of shining chrome, hot red interiors and glistening mirrors, the youth behind the bar called to me. Hey, sir, what is, uh, what beverage has got your favor today? I laughed at the voice. Got! <laughs> I had never heard such slang, such utterance. 
I mouthed the menu items as I read their quirky chalkboard script. Sweet and good? How thoughtful. Prepsy and Krokroa? <laughs> what curious names. The final item, Hair of the Dog, had me laughing so deeply I forgot the ink bloodstains drying on my collar. Sir, you, uh, got something on your shirt there, fussed the youth. A girl, perhaps. I could not for the life of me discern. Androgyny, just as I had seen in the photo reels. She pointed her mitt right at the blot, and I went red in the face. If she knew what I had done, oh, no, 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 it's not, I, I can explain. Yes, uh, I know what this is, she grinned. As my face dropped in horror, her finger slipped up in comic fashion, shining my chin, under-nose crest, and a seductive patch of forehead in honest camaraderie. Gotcha. Oh, how she smiled. Goodness, a, a pleasant joke, I caroused to myself. An honest-to-goodness jive. Why, I've never seen a ruse such as that. That's just what you gotta learn in Big City. The youth charmed and slid a frosty mug of effervescent crocroa to me in a healthy arc. Not a drop was lost. The straw swirled a moment later, landing as though a feather on my lips. My heart ached, and at that first nicotine-filled sip of crocroa, golly, I forgot all that had gone wrong. What a bold new flavor, I told the androgynous youth. Perhaps there's something to this big city after all. Whatever had occurred in the past, I had tasted the future, and it tasted crisp, bright, and youthful. I was proud to be a part of Generation Crow Crowa. That sip was all the convincing I needed. I made my choice. Look out, big city. Here comes Gentleman Grip Thirst. Grip John to his friends. Gotta get that Crow Crow. Get one now on the new style of the day. Ha, Crow Crowa. Clump on it. The story must be told. In old times, you know, folks used to believe cracking a knuckle would cause arthritis. We now know that's not true. So here, I'll crack my own. And you can hear for yourselves the safety inherent in such subdermal bubble popping. So, of course, if you already have arthritis, it won't stop the story from hurting you for such a folly. I've given my body to you. Give the body to the story. Go in peace. That was The Story Must Be Told. On October 11th, 2018, The Story Must Be Told will be hosting its first ever live show at Videology in Brooklyn off the Bedford L-Stop. Come on out, 7.30. Follow the link in bio for tickets. Be told, and I see you, Brandon. 
We are proud to be hosted on the Last Podcast Network, lastpodcastnetwork.com, and I don't like what I see, not one bit. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TSMBTPod. Get out of here, Brandon! I recant all Brandons I have ever known and Brandons that will ever be. We got shirts for sale, affordable and handsome from Tapito Co. Links on our Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, and let that be a lesson to Brendans and Brantons and Bryants too. Rate and review us on iTunes. Write a little thing. That'd be nice. And now, in the void absent of all Brandons, I am finally free. This was a Post Everything production. We do short films, too. Check out our Vimeo, I guess. The burden of Brandons is gone, yet there is something missing, which leaves me ache, ache, aching. We'll be back next week, where, upon the first day, the story will remake Brandon in its own image, and it will be good. The story must be told.